And it's All Japan Women Destiny Podcast, episode 41. I am JD, here bringing you yet another classic episode from All Japan Women, the promotion that we all know and love. That's why we're here. Kay, thank you for joining us. Yes. I'm happy to be here, because All Japan Women is the shit. I really love that I just kind of started this journey, and uh, it was... Uh, few years ago, I'm like, man, I've only seen these like five star matches. And I'm just like, you know what? I want to learn. I want to chronicle. I want to uh, what's what's uh, <laughs> I want to chronicle my journey through it and deep dive into a lot of a lot of the wrestlers, a lot of the booking patterns, watch the promotion have its ebbs and flows over the years. And uh, I hope everyone that is listening has also joined in on the journey. I know I know some people may not be into kind of going along and watching things for the first time. They kind of want more information, but I hope we're we're giving more analysis than you would expect. Right. And I think for me personally, it's interesting as well because I I've seen a kind of a bit of AJW, not so far back that we've gone in this journey since I've joined. I didn't see most of the crush cast stuff, minus like the hair match and like the, the big things, right? Right. And even when I did my my episode over the Big Egg Joshi podcast about the about AJW, uh, most of that I just saw were match results and stats and and sort of talks about it, but never watched most of it. So seeing some of this in action, as, as that maybe not real time is the word for it, but kind of like that, watching it all kind of as it happens unfolds as we watch it episode to episode, very interesting. And as we also sort of dig deep and find information, which is why I kind of like being on this episode or these episodes in the podcast with you because you like me. Uh, like to dig into information. You just don't want the thing you're presented with up front. You want the context. You want as much data as you can, as much historical sort of information you can, because you want the full picture. Otherwise, you just don't feel like you're getting everything. And getting the full picture feels satisfying because then you think you understand things more. And I mean, people seem to have that mentality, especially in the podcasting world, which is kind of weird to me. Yeah, it's just kind of watch the matches, give your thoughts, and then you kind of move on. Uh, I, I I don't know. My wrestling, a lot of my fandom when it goes into the things I like, whether it be video games, anime, wrestling, I like diving deeper into more of that world as to why things happen. Like, I love talking about video games that go through development hell. How did how did they come yeah, like to be? Duke Nukem Forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Duke Nukem Forever. Yeah, it's a very fascinating story. Uh, discover things that... Uh, just don't come across in just the normal spectrum of the world and hopefully get the word out for a lot of this. So, podcast proper, Red Leaf Retrocast. We, at this point in time, we are on episode... We just did episode 58 not too long ago. And that's in the middle of 1992. Uh, Boy, the roster's picking up and we're at the bare bones of it here in the middle of 1990. Uh, but the I think the split of Gokuman Toe uh, just happened, and we're gearing up for the very first Bolnikano Aja Kong face-off, which is really cool. And we see the the tag match here kind of build it all up. Oh yeah, no, it's great. It's like kind of the thing I almost wish they ended up would have done with uh, 
um, Gokaku Dome, which they never seem to have ever done a split with it, which, I mean, on one hand, I get, because you wanted the big heel group against the two big baby faces in the Crush Gals, so splitting the heel group and having them fight each other doesn't seem like it would draw as much money. No, and there was no real reason to do that, too, because you had the Crush Gals, you had, uh, well, Yukari right. Omori uh, for them, you still had <laughs> Devil Masami, yeah, you still had Devil Masami for a period of time, the Jumping Bomb Angels was the big... Uh, another big babyface group that they had. So there was there was no reason for, say, Dump Matsumoto to feud with Bull Nakano when Dump Matsumoto and Bull had all those other people to feud with themselves. Right, but in a weird way, you would feel like if they actually did maybe towards the end of their program like that, that at this point, Bull Nakano would be far more established than it seems like she was when she won the belt, where they had to like start working at establishing her because they, they loved the foundation, but they never got off the ground with her, which is no, always there, a weird yeah, thing. That's, yeah, that is certainly why it took so long for Bull Nakano to get that kind of credibility and draw and, and draw factor with the, with the roster, because she's definitely kind of struggling with it currently, but so is the whole roster, because it's so, it's so ravaged with <laughs> young developing talent. Is that the right term? Rat? Well... It's, I mean, it's it's um, it's depleted. It's de- it's, it's very it's, depleted. Uh, yeah, like the yeah, depth is there, but no, it, it reminds me of the those beginning stages of stardom, uh, right, like in the 2018 era when uh, shortly after Io Shirai left, and you're like, man, who do you have? You got to push somebody. Let's just pick like yeah. the most talented people that you uh, can, and hopefully they stay. Kind of situation. That's funny because uh, Stardom ran into the similar issue where it was like EO or bust, right? They lost Yuko Bito. She was gone. That was kind of established star they had. They had Mayu, but Mayu felt like significantly less of a star since she came back from her injury because she didn't really do anything. And then you just lost Kyrie, So it's like, oh shit, you've got EO or nobody. Yeah. Uh, 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 quickly establish somebody. EO's leaving. Oh no. Uh, uh, Momo, you, 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 we're going to pick you. Yeah, it's, it's just kind of your hand being forced and... As soon as the hand's not forced anymore, you can kind of sit back and really start booking and planning things out to who you want to get over. And where I, th- I I always say this on the podcast when it comes to AJW, I think one of their big misses was never getting one of those one of those people to put over Bull Nakano strong to get that next generation. Uh, they end up making her strong because she held the title for so freaking long. And also her, has its drawbacks too. But it has its drawbacks because then there's nobody else and you're just you're just waiting. So that's why I also think they really uh, uh, failed in utilizing Nori Tatato during this era to her fullest. She's just on kind of retirement tour. And Hota didn't work out, but you... I mean, would it have been the worst thing to kind of better utilize her during this short little period I, I don't think it would have i don't think it would have not been worth a try i think why they, I, I can get why they don't try it and this isn't this is just because i don't like hota but i think once you failed with somebody the way they failed with her yeah yeah there's definitely con- a mentality you, behind you, it you yeah. lose you lose you lose confidence in the fact that this person's even worth putting up that high which is why they don't ever try again until like freaking decade later almost right yeah it's it's i i think the bigger problems that they have is what the way they established Bull Nakano by having this long title reign also has another uh, unintended side effect in that the fans, as we saw throughout her title reign, get tired of seeing her as champion. It's like after a while, you don't want this person anymore. It's like the stale, uh, oh, we've seen you already. What are you doing? We want somebody new now. 
And I think there we're at the journey right now. We're starting to see that issue crop back up again. We saw that issue. Then we saw the Aja Kong match happen, which kind of revitalized a bit of Bonacano because of how exciting all that was. And I think now we're starting to see that same reaction. You know, it's like flat and like, ah, come on. We've seen you already. You're old hat at this point. We've seen you do your song and dance. We want somebody new. Yeah, I think especially in the 90s. When with, you do yeah, that. especially in the 90s with the changing of the times where the multi-year title run just doesn't quite work the same as it did in the 70s and the 80s. Uh, evolution right, of booking. And they... Uh, 1990, it was still kind of in that turnover phase. You don't... Like, even in New Japan and the All Japan Journey and everything, you don't really see that that full-on next generation of booking kind of start until, like, 1993. And to be fair, I mean, that kind of lines up with what AJW did, but they really took their time in building uh, Aja Kong to be that next person, all while they have feuds up and down the card and pushing a lot of other talent. Uh, we're seeing a lot of that on the podcast proper going over. And eventually, this podcast will... The goal is to uh, match up with the podcast proper, so then it's just a one-to-one -one, uh, uh, release schedule. Right, and I, I think... Um, and why I made the comment on the podcast proper referring to Bolton as sort of a relic is because of that, right? It's like her title reign, her being there doesn't feel fresh anymore. She just feels like a holdover. You can see that with how the fans were reacting. It's like, well, we've, like, again, we've seen your song and dance before. We want somebody new. And Aj Kong is that new person that you could tell the fans want to see it on the top. And, but they just, just didn't pull the trigger yet. It's a shame Medusa didn't stay long term in AJW. No, man, she's got to get that Fed money and then go to WCW and not to wrestle. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's very. They just wanted her exclusive. Probably paid her a, WCW especially probably paid her a lot of money to just not wrestle. <laughs> paid a lot of money for just the cleavage on TV. Yeah, well, I mean, by that time, and I mean, we're watching her on the WCW Nitros in '99, and that's all she I, is. That's all she really is. Yeah, it's just cleavage on it's TV. The, it's, it's not like AJW is doing all that well in '99. It's kind of like her only option. Oh, no, '99. Uh, I think they're like not having people. Like people are just like, can't yeah, peace out. <laughs> we're fought yeah. for bankruptcy. We can't pay you no more. It's that kind of deal. So yeah, you're right. You're not that much doing much better, but. I still feel like it's funny that you pay all this money to Medusa, this herald person from all Japan and even the Fed to some extent. And yeah, she just paid that for her boobs. Dems the times, unfortunately. Well, speaking yeah, no of kidding. other unspeakable and unforgivable acts is this shoot fighting that they're doing in AJW currently. And the way they're treated... Look, Matsunaga's and the treatment of wrestlers is well on record of just being downright atrocious. A lot oh, of the they're times. terrible people. Like oh, they yeah. get heralded for starting AGW, but they're shit people. They are not good people. No, they they are scumbag circus freak uh, promoters. And one of the best examples of this just travesty of human indecency is this Yumiko Hota Mima Shimoda boxing match, where Mima Shimoda gets maimed in the face and knocks. It gets her teeth just slaughtered out of her mouth, and. Nothing's more egregious and irresponsible than putting kind of untrained fighters in a fighting environment. It's just, just because Hota, Hota already believes she's a shoot fighter, so she probably already hits the bat if she thinks she's one because she's not one. Uh, so, but Shimoda's clearly like she's there for the looks and her athleticism, not her ability to throw a punch, a shoot punch, which is very clear and very irresponsible of them. Like the Matsunaga's a garbage. I always remember coming across a, a funny quote from Bull Nakano 
uh, back when I was doing my AEW episode in that they brought food for the cafeteria, but they didn't bring any fucking noodles because they didn't want to pay for the noodles. Bastard, so have fun, have, have fun just getting your vegetables and soup with no noodles in them. Great. Yeah, good, good like, people. Like, why would you just pay for the fucking noodles? What's wrong with you? It costs you like an extra... I think she said it wouldn't even cost them that much, but they didn't want to spend the money. <sighs> Ter- they're terrible people. Like They're businessmen through and through, but they're also terrible businessmen through and through. Well, I mean, that's... Yeah, that goes without saying. Yeah. You know what the irony is? They, they lost a lot of their money opening the big noodle shop venture. So that's just super, like... Uh, wh- oh, yeah, yeah. That's why I find that story funny. That's why I find that whole story we funny. We won't pay for the noodles, but we're open our noodle shop. Shit, we're bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I find the funniest part of the story is that Ajit Kong said they wouldn't pay for noodles for the cafeteria. But flash forward, like, do you I think, think they Do you think when higher? they opened their noodle shop, they were too cheap and just didn't want to get the noodles? So you walk into a noodle shop and they just don't <laughs> the have noodles shop, there? The noodle shop opened, I think, the same year that I think that's supposed to have happened. So it's even funnier because it's like, oh, yeah, they want to pay for noodles because they were already paid for their stupid noodle shop that didn't work. Yeah. So la- la- later in a few more classics from now, we're getting another like Bat Yoshinaga kickboxing match and Kaoru Ito is there. Like these these matches just disgust me. Did you, did you know that I believe one of the Matsunaga's brothers was like a super, super high on Bat Yoshinaga? I thought she was a real shoot fighter because she told you so, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm totally a kickbox. She didn't have any experience, by the way. Well, it didn't. It, it, it didn't matter it, it, when it, they put her up against like the worst and greenest people you can imagine. No, she probably took some fucking classes, but she had. She claimed that she had all these like this belt and this and this and that, but she didn't have any of it. So whenever you see online any of her accolades for having these things, they're all falsified. Cool. It's all. It's all. It's all wrong. It's, it got exposed at one point, and then she. That's when she retired. Because like, hey, you're not a fighter. Oh, hey, bye guys. He liked her so much, he made a goddamn belt for her. The MMA AJW belt thingy, whatever it was called. He made a belt for her because he liked her so much. God, what a mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, no at least we right? at least we got the Jungle Jack, Gokum and Toe uh, tag match of the main event, and then Hokuto and Toyota. That made me happy. This is the Grizzly match where she has the dual wielding kendo sticks, right? I think so, yes. Ah, oh, my heart. Oh, I that love happens, this woman. That happens multiple times, but I, yeah. Grizzly Yomoto <laughs> develops a BDSM type uh, affi- affixation with kendo sticks and just slaughtering people in the head. <laughs> she is my queen, I'll have you know. And this is the beginning stages of Bison Kimura becoming a total unit. And <laughs> she, she is a unit, that's for the, sure. Yeah, over the next two years she just gets better have you, and have better. you seen have you so she had she did like these these like photos for some muscle magazine and dude the fucking biceps on this woman i was like dude was like, so you remember how tall how small saya has these giant biceps all right hold on i'm, bison, at, I'm, I'm, I'm looking up bison bison uh not not the not the bicep pictures i'm looking up like her actual like height and everything she's only five <laughs> six <laughs> she was Freaking jacked! I, I don't know whatever they did for those photos, but you remember that one photo of uh of Saeeda's everything, everything is arm? always so deceptive when it comes to the height of <laughs> Joshi wrestlers. Oh, oh, right. So you know Saeeda's like big jacked arm picture. Imagine that, but bigger, uh, oiled up for photos and whatnot. Hell and yeah! On Bison Kimura, and I was just like, dude, this woman is way too jacked. What the fuck, man? I'm all here for it. 
If you like what you hear, consider joining the Patreon, patreon.com slash Retrocast, Joshi 2010s, LLPW reviews, and retrospective JD Star retrospective reviews from KO yeah. here, and much yeah, more. Yeah, very interesting stuff over there. And enjoy the podcast proper, Red Leaf Retrocast, found in all your favorite podcasting outlets. I hope you enjoy the original audio. All righty, Kay. It's time for that retro wrestling section of the podcast. You just heard Aja Kong's Electric Eye. Ah, yes. The, the famous Judas Priest song that she made famous. <laughs> yeah, she did. Yeah, I ran it a little, I ran it a little long for the, for the nice little intro there. We, I think that's the first time we've played Aja Kong's music. She's breaking out. No kidding. I'd call the rise, man. We're, we're starting to see that that rise coming up finally. What yeah, a rise she, it is! Yeah, they've needed to. They it's been a uh, let's see. We are at uh, August nineteenth, nineteen ninety. The show is Survival Shout in Korokin, uh, All Japan Women's episode forty one. So it's about a year in the making now uh, for the push of Aja Kong. So it's a it's a slow process. They're getting over, and what a main event this was. Oh, Jesus. I mean, more than one wrestler made themselves uh, over, at least in my eyes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think we both we both know who I'm talking about. But uh, it's crazy because, like, I, I feel like it's not crazy to say that Aji Kong is a bigger star than Bull Nakano. He becomes a bigger star than Bull Nakano. Eventually, yes. Not not, yeah, I mean, at not, not not at this point. No, no, not at this point. I'm just saying. I'm saying it's crazy to think that we're seeing her rise. We just saw Bulls rise to the top, and now we're seeing Aja's rise. And one of them becomes a bigger star than the other. I feel. It's, I don't feel like it's crazy to say that. I don't think so. What isn't crazy is this uh, this undercard on the show. Oh, not, don't kidding. Not so good. the The shoot fighting continues. I hate it so much. It is awful. Yeah, instead of having just uh, two shoot fighters or a wrestler and a shoot fighter, just eh, fuck it, put Hota in there with Shimoda, one of our money makers or potential future money makers, I guess. You know, attractive lady gets punched in the face. That's smart for marketing. Yeah, it seems AJW still has this, still has this wish for UFC or or Pride or I guess none of these companies really exist yet. Or I don't know. I, I I'm not an MMA expert by any means, but they. Definitely have a hard-on to still try to to do these on every show, and the crowd doesn't react to them. I don't react to them. They're, they're, they might as well be hard skips, but watch them anyways for this historical context, and yeah, they're still awful. They're very awful, and I think this one, to me, this one was personally offensive to me, I think, in a way, because, I mean, not personally offensive, I guess it's a bit much, but I think I had a special dislike for this one, not just because Hota's in it, but because she's beating up on Mima Shimoda, and like, Shimoda, it's very attractive, and it's like you got, you're trying to you're trying to market towards a new audience here and get new people. And so, yeah, sure, take the one that you're gonna be able to market the best, or one of the ones you can market the best, and just have it get punched in the face a few times. And that's good for the posters. <laughs> nothing's it's, it's so nothing's weird. less appealing than watching untrained fighters get into a ring for a real 
simulated fight kind of situation. Because this yeah, isn't right. totally shoot. It's that half shoot, half real, half not real mix that they're doing, which makes it even worse. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's it's so bad. It's like, like I said with the Shimoda thing, it's like they're clearly having to pivot their marketing to more of a male demographic in a way because that's kind of becoming most of their audience. And nobody's there for the shoot fighting. So why are you putting someone who clearly, at this point, I think they're going to have plans for marketing because right? they, they tell they already see that she's attractive. I mean, we're seeing people like Tateno showing more cleavage and things like that. They're clearly pivoting their marketing. So why have her get punched in the face for no reason? I don't get it. I think they still have this idea that they want Hota to get over. And this is this is their idea to to legitimize her. I believe that's my that's, theory. That's exactly I think that's exactly what they're trying to do. Because we see Hota in more of these fights than most people. I think Hota gets more of these. And I think that's why right there. They want her to be legit and it just never works. I mean first no. these matches aren't the crowds don't like them and the crowds already aren't super into Hota to begin with, so this doesn't help things. The only women weren't into her either. So yeah, it's like the it's only just... the only instance I can think of that was remotely successful was in New Japan in the nineties with Shinya Hashimoto, but he was a trained fighter in with other trained fighters. So yes, that was still right. a, a they were still bad. And it was still that mix, half real, half shoot, half, <laughs> half uh, uh, work. But they were trained shoot fighters, so they were able to. Uh, I don't want to say book it better, but they they were able to hide the fact that it was fake much much better because they were trained. And right. and an instance in New Japan that didn't work was they did this. They tried the same thing with Liger, and that was an utter failure in my eyes. Liger was already yeah. over for doing what he was doing, and then they tried to do that as well, and that didn't work. So I've seen I've seen New Japan try this, and now seeing an AJW for a few years at this point, and I haven't seen a good one yet. They're all terrible. They don't stop, by the way. They make a whole division out of this. Ugh. Yeah, with Bat Yoshinaga. It's not, it's not, yeah, yeah, it's not. I mean, it becomes more of a Bat sort of vanity belt. Like, it's just her thing. So I wouldn't. It's not like it becomes a full fledged division, but it does pop up. It even pops up on Big Egg. They have a goddamn tournament for it for a reason. Yeah. Um, the first half of Big Egg just skip because of that. But it's again the audience, like you said, New Japan. They were to buy Hashimoto, but the audience for AJW at this point is so different that like you're not not getting anyone over, it, and you're also damaging a money maker. And I mean, granted, it doesn't affect her thankfully, but like they have no way of knowing that. She could go in this match and get her fucking jaw dislocated and fuck up her face. Then you lost someone you can market. That's good. Yeah, they need it's to a do lose. It's a lose lose situation in my eyes. So, not much else to. Uh, let's not dive further into it. It's 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 garbage. Yeah, we, we've we've got a milk yeah. dip of what it is. Norio Tateno and one Medusa are now teaming up. So, uh, this is we're at the point of the Tateno retirement tour, and Medusa has come and she's hanging out with her. There, you can tell they get along. They're taking on Suzuka Minami and Mika Nishiwaki. So uh, Hokuto's ex-partner and Hota's ex-partner. They're teaming up here. And the idea behind this was clearly to get Suzuka Minami uh, uh, further up the card because she ends up pinning Medusa here. And that is very interesting. So I took this as setting up uh, possibly for, I don't see her as red belt territory, but definitely setting up for an all-Pacific title. Maybe. 
Right. I don't remember if she does or not, but I do know she gets put in a, in a tag team. So um, LCO, I think. But um, Medusa and Tatato being together makes a lot of sense, especially when you remember the Jumping Bomb Angels went over to the to WWE when right. she was there. So it would make sense why they would know each other be close. I don't think Medusa you know, was in WWF at that point yet. Oh, she wasn't? No. I thought she was. Oh, well, I mean, I guess I guess the familiarity would probably at least be there from them both. I don't know. I, I, I guess I, my uh, example there falls apart then. I just, you're not kidding with it being to Tato's retirement tour. It almost feels like a goodbye, even in this match. Yeah. You get that kind of feeling. I don't know if this is her last match, I don't remember. But it definitely feels like this would be something that would be like her last match. Very much a kind of like, almost like she's kind of bittersweet with it all, but fed up with it at the same time. You can kind of get that attitude from her. It also feels like they're phasing out Medusa at this point in AJW. It's it's like they they feel that she's also too old. Uh, I I'm not I'm not a, a thousand percent sure with how they uh, perceived Gaijins on the age scale, but it could be they just want her to go away for a while at the very least. I believe Medusa is on her way to WWF anyways, and they had already at this point, uh, uh, uh far past broken down any sort of communications with WWF because of the whole uh, moolah debacle that was in the late eighties there. So oh, yeah, that didn't, that didn't go over well with uh, the Matsunaga brothers. They were very upset with that. Yeah. Mo- moolah really played, played them, uh, pl- played them hard. So uh, that's, that's a story in itself for another day. Uh, but Suzuka Minami, you know, she, she had uh, relinquished the all Pacific title. So this is, this is a good, I think this was a good move. If you're if if your idea is Tateno's retiring in less than six months, Medusa's on her way out to another company. You're gonna see much less of her, and you want to build uh, Suzuka Manami up to another viable contendership. Then this was good, and the match was fine. I guess uh, Nishiwaki. I'm I'm definitely over her. She's I believe she. I've been. I feel like I've been saying this for a few months that she's she's retiring any day now from either injury or she just drops out or whatever the the reasoning might be. So Suzuka Minami is kind of the only one left in this scenario. Right. Well, I don't think we even get to. I don't think she even has a big retirement ceremony. Or at least I don't think we'll see it on the classics if she did. Yeah, I don't think it so. wasn't. She I, wasn't. I she was never a big that, deal. At least they'll do it for certain. They do it for certain wrestlers, but we don't get it as often because remember they get rid of the rule. Right. I yeah. think they actually get rid of the rule this year we're in. So oh, mm. if not, they've already gotten. If not, they've already gotten rid of the rule. I think it's 1990 or 91 at the very least that they get rid of it. I want to say it's 1990, but I could be mistaken. I think it's 91 because I believe that's when Bull Nakano was slated to retire. And then they go, well, right. we can't lose that, another that, star. <laughs> yeah, because that, that's what makes them change their mind finally is, oh, well, we don't have, we, we've already gone through all this trouble. We just now built her up and we're already going to lose her sort of deal, which was their own fault to begin with. But um, I, I think it's interesting because like, it sets up a obvious white belt match, but I don't I feel like it's either going to be Toyota or it's going to be Hokuto. It's one of the two she's going to face for it. I don't think it's going to be Aja. No, they're building up Aja Kong as a main eventer. So she's past the All-Pacific title at this point. Uh, the All-Pacific title is vacate is vacant right now. So they're building Man. up yeah, they're building <laughs> up to two contenders to face off for that title and and uh so the next match was Hokuto versus Manami Toyota. Hokuto still still with the bum bum knee. <laughs> she tore that sucker up. And this went to a draw. And there was thumping in the crowd, so as we know, Kay, 
If the Japanese crowd thumps and stomps their feet, that means it's a good match. This did not disappoint. I was very, was very so okay good. with the draw. It's so funny because they have another fucking epic match in like a couple of years. God, these two had such good chemistry too. So early on, it's so interesting because I don't think I've ever seen this match. I've seen their five star classic at you know AJW Destiny in '95, but I have not seen this early on. And I'm sorry, did you see AJW Destiny? Oh, I did. I did. So it's like that's what the, it's the name of the podcast. It's got yeah. Name of the spin-off All Japan Women's Podcast where we uh go into even more detail and more conversation over All Japan Women. Go check that out. Yeah, yeah definitely go check it out. It's good shit. Um, but it, it's so it's so interesting seeing this early on, just how good the chemistry they had. I feel like that they had to have trained together extensively. There's just no way you don't have this level of good chemistry if you don't. Oh well, absolutely. Uh, Toyota is is she is still very much uh, crash and burn. Don't give don't give two shits about my body. She's young and just out of control. And uh, Hokuto is just trying to get get by on this knee and still doing her suplexes. She is a she's a tough bitch. <laughs> she is uh definitely a tough bitch. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't think I could have wrestled on a bum knee. That's for sure. Especially because she tries so hard to run on it and keep it like it's not that bad of a deal for her. Like it's so weird. Like I, I she has to be because she wouldn't be on any painkillers at the time, or like the the shots right that we right. That they would give it at the time because they didn't do that in AJW. Ugh. Was frowned upon, but she would she would be on some kind of pain medicine. That's for sure. Maybe she was At throwing down least. bottles of whiskey before the match and just going out there just hammered. <laughs> or she, or you know, um, because I don't remember when they start letting them do pain medicine. Because I know Bonacano ended up having to do pain medicine later. But I wonder mm. if this is still during the time where it's uh, just ice it up. Because it's so interesting. Because. We don't know exactly how bad her knee was. It's just we know it's a torn knee. Like she just fucked up her knee. Clearly, it's not bad enough where she can't work on it. But how bad must it be? Because she doesn't show pain on her face when she's running on it. Nah, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's, 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 it's just it's something I've thought about because, like, I don't remember when they start implementing the ability for them to, at the very least, take like, an Excedrin or some shit. Yeah, uh, we don't know. Well, yeah, we, we don't know. All we like, I guess, all we can really decipher from uh, a time period of when things were allowed or when wrestlers started doing things uh, more in commonplace is what we've heard from Bull Nakano in, in various... And, and know, Chigusa. Bull yeah. and Chigusa yeah, are the only that give us insight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because she was talking about how her, her lower back was constantly always hurting on the road and she, you know, she they couldn't take medicine. They had to ice it up and that was all they did. Ugh, I can't imagine. Uh, that sounds miserable. So yeah, they gotta they gotta run this back or something because there's Suzuka Minami uh, in the wait for the All Pacific title. I'm very excited. Yeah, so am I. I mean, I'm right now we're seeing the the birth of new stars, and it's always exciting seeing that, especially because one of them happens to be my one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, Minami Toyota. So yeah, well, I mean, it usually it takes a long time for a promotion when they when they're gutted because. Uh, as opposed to stars leaving, these are stars retiring, and they didn't put anyone over, or at least they failed to put anyone over. However, however way you want to look at it. Uh, so, in a span of basically two years, uh, we're we're now finally started. It's it's taken two years. Let's let's not let's not deny this. 
It's taken two years for them to finally have these rookies and sophomores and the class of 86 and 87 finally start to bust out uh, uh, onto their own and become uh, wrestlers of their own right. And uh, we're starting to see the pushes. So this is nice. Right, and let's not discredit the fact that around the same time Devil Masami was over in JWP, pretty much being their big draw, former AJW star that probably had to have made them start thinking about, you know, letting people leave. Oh yeah, because uh, let, let, let's let, let's assume that the I I we should probably look this up uh, in the future, but I guess we'll we'll when <laughs> when we know we know when they when people stop retiring. Let's say ni- uh, middle ninety one, they abolish the the uh, mandatory retirement rule that has to have a lot to do with a, they didn't want Bolnacano to leave because that's a huge hole at the top. And B JWP was gaining a lot of momentum. And it was starting to gain steam at the, at a time where AJW was still, I mean, it was still doing good at Corkin, but like they were definitely, they were very obviously seeing that things were starting to slow down for them. They weren't in the boom period anymore. They weren't untouchable. Right. I think that's what kind of because we would see a JWP in the '90s start running Cork and Hall. Uh, I mean that's a big deal because that's kind of what AJW was running, not running as frequently. But the fact that they were running it at all probably got them thinking because they got Devil Masami there and Bull leaves. Well, who's to say Bull doesn't go there? Right. The assumption would be if Bull still wants to wrestle, she's going to JWP. <laughs> And, and it just, doesn't help that doesn't right. help they just establish her as a star. So you just establish her and then she leaves. That's bad. It's, it's real uh, bad. Yeah, just to kind of compare to uh, modern day here in 2021, it's pretty amazing when, you know, all these, all of a sudden, all these people that are out with like life ending career and injuries and they'll never wrestle again, AEW comes along and, oh, look, oh, all of a sudden they can. Huh, what, what do you know? Hmm, interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's funny with a little competition and threat. As to other promotions to change their mind. Yeah, even if they're not a financial threat, you you just don't want the, you don't want the competition, right? So. Yeah, right. I can't wait till we get to the point where Gaia makes them humble. That I can't wait till we get to. <laughs> well, we got our main event here. Very exciting. Aja Kong teaming up with Bison Kimura. Interesting. Uh, Juggle like, Jack. Yeah, interesting whitish onesie Bison Kimura has there. She's got a look versus. Bull Nakano and your favorite, Grizzly Iwamoto. Ah, oh, my violet queen. I love her. She's so fucking good. Uh, Punk is not, not dead. Wrestler. Yeah, Punk <laughs> is not dead from Aja Kong. Bison Kimura, b- boy, Bison Kimura was like the fourth wheel in this match. Uh, but this was all about Aja Kong meeting Bull Nakano head on. And this this is the case of the top star starting to sell for someone trying to make a name for themselves and getting over. This is the opposite of your, you know, aged veteran stuffing a young up and coming star. Uh, so they don't get over because the way this was booked and the way this match was laid out, with uh, all of the weapon shots and them trading blows equally and Bull still having her just unstoppable, unmovable stature about her. Aja Kong is, you know, she was humbled in this match. She's she's coming off that that huge Medusa rivalry over the summer here. Uh, and, and now she's beating her stablemate and in, in, in Bull. 
and what we, you know, they each have their seconds. This was, I think this accomplished so much in progressing the storyline and the push of Aja Kong. Yeah, no kidding. Talk about the irresistible force meeting the immovable object. That's oh, exactly you what suck this was. Using that reference. Ah, I had to. I had to. That's the first thing that came to mind when they were both running into each other and nobody was falling over. It was fucking great. Um, just God, how Why they built Kong up within versus the match. Bull, huh? You could just, you know, King Kong versus Godzilla. Use that one. Uh, Bull Nakano is not Godzilla. She's a murder demon. She Get that straight. Godzilla? Why can't Bull Nakano be Godzilla in this scenario? Because Hiroyo Matsumoto is leading Godzilla, okay? So Bull Nakano is a murder Nonsense. demon. Nonsense. Come on, that mid-carter. Get, get out of here. <laughs> Bull Nakano has this the... giant, like, blue scaly mohawk going on, going all the way down, uh, up and down her body. She might as well be breathing fire at Ajakon. Come on. She's a dragon! <laughs> Listen, uh, so I, I liked how they built that conflict between the two, right? It started off with them both kind of turning around on each other. Like they were both in the ring and just turn around. Oh, crowd, crowd even reacts to it. Start running into each other to build up to Bull finally selling for Aja. And it's so well done. It makes you, it reminds you that the bookers in AJW were actually good at booking these, these sort of feuds and rivalries. It's funny how they weren't doing that when they needed to before the before now, but definitely doing a good job building these two up and listen my my murder queen my my violent queen grizzly Wamoto, not a good wrestler as we see in this match no she's like no <laughs> but she's violent and she blasts the fuck out of people with a kendo stick i love it she i don't think i've seen anybody hit somebody so hard with a kendo stick she hit somebody she hit bull so hard it broke i mean i just so hard it broke the kendo stick well i mean there was a, correct me if i'm wrong uh going off memory here i mean i was so into the match my notes are very are very slim but i believe there was a spot where bull nakano was holding either ba uh, bison or aja and grizzly comes up and they do the whole move move and hit your partner spot and that's oh, when yeah. that's what bull just gets blasted she just kind of looks at her the stick is in half it's like come on Ow. That's right. That, that, that's the first stick break. He like blasts her so hard to stick. It explodes. It doesn't even just break in half. It just explodes. It's so fucking crazy. I have never seen somebody, and you could tell it was starting to piss off Bison because Bison started shooting on her a little bit. Oh yeah, Gri <laughs> Grizzly inevitably will always come into these matches with a kendo stick and hit someone as hard as she possibly can. And it's not just one shot. It's it's like someone taking a baseball bat and beating you down while you're curled up. And you can and, see Bison just curling up. She's like, God damn it, this sucks. Like I said, it's so like, and she's not hitting you in the back of the side. No, no, no. She's hitting you in the head constantly. The it's head, hard, the arm. It's just like, oh, that looks exposed. I'm going to hit that too. Oh, your hip? Yeah, cool. Whatever. She's hitting, she's hitting you like like her life depends on it. She's she does like always swing for the fences at, at the side of your skull. Uh, that's that's always the first place she aims. That's so, it's so funny because then she gets to that point where she has two of them and she's just whacking and whacking. It's just, it's the, the crowd loves it. The crowd's eating it up. It's the best. Uh, like I said, Bison at one point in the match started actually hitting, like, trying to stiff on her because she was getting hit. She was getting, you tell she was getting a little pissed off because she was getting hit so hard with the kendo sticks. Oh, it was, it was, it was brilliant violence. It was, it, it was, it really took me back to kind of the uh, Kokaku uh, Domei, just violent 
crowd brawling and and outside the ring brawling this this had all all of it but the structure was way better because they were trying to uh it was both sides of the equation rather than just dump violence this was bull and aja violence against each other with even with the partners going against each other the seconds <laughs> in the ring my favorite spot was the brilliant kendo stick beatdown all around uh, where there, where midway through the match, Bull just throws up her arms in the air and she just welcomes Bison and Aja just cracking her with a stick over and over again. I love that spot so much. It makes Bull just look like a beast out there. Oh, and, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, and Aja Kong's busting out barricades and trash cans and all that. And the way the, way the match ends is Aja and Bull spill to the outside and Bison gets a hold of Grizzly. And after all of this violence and just... just Utter destruction, Bison wins off a German suplex. The most devastating move in Joshi Wrestling. <laughs> no freaking kidding. God. Listen, this match... I need to watch more Grizzly, but this period of Grizzly, not early Grizzly. I want to see Grizzly murdering people with kendo sticks. I'm afraid that that doesn't happen as often as I probably like it to. But Jesus, man. You weren't kidding. Like I feel like... Like you said, this is better than the Gukaku Dome sort of stuff because it's usually just one-sided there. And this time, both sides are just hitting each other with everything. Like, don't get me wrong. I love me some Dome Matsumoto. I love her I love her sense of violence, of always kind of changing up the weaponry. Uh, you don't see that a lot from really anyone else. Uh, but it seems like uh, Grizzly Uomoto for UK is your Yumi Ogura. Yeah, yeah, I think it's about accurate. <laughs> Not the best wrestler, but Jesus Christ, I love her. Oh, so a shame that she retires, I think, in like a year or something after this. Oh, I think she, she so I, th I think she hangs around as long as Bull is there. And then as soon as Bull leaves, she kind of leaves with her. So I would say, yeah, they're, they're probably, I, I can tell that they're friends. At least you get the idea that they're friends. Yeah, they probably hang out on the bus and Grizzly, uh, as a joke, hits her with a kendo stick. If Bull falls asleep, no, <laughs> no sleep for demons. <laughs> demons don't sleep. Uh, it's so funny because, like, you could tell these two are friends. Whereas, uh, you know, it's very interesting to find out that uh, Linus Oscar and Chikusa didn't like each other for a long time there because they had to spend so much time together that you just eventually stopped liking each other. Right. Hear yeah. that story from both of them is nuts. Like how much they they had to be together at all times because kayfabe, right? So they had the same hotel rooms. Didn't get split hotel. They got the same hotel room. They had the same. Whenever they went to, to go eat somewhere, they had to be seen together. If there were fans nearby, they had the same dorm room. Yeah, so I thought weird. that was a bit far. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it was nuts. They started hitting each other. That's why they didn't work with each other until like a little bit into Gaia, and they don't work. They didn't work to each other much afterwards. I think either here here and there, but. You can tell that they don't hate each other now, but they probably still don't. Well, like yeah, you get sick of someone if you uh, spend every waking moment, night and day with someone. Anyways, uh, post-match, yeah. post Aja Khan grabs the mic. She is frustrated. Uh, crowd is really into her. Bull Nakano and Aja Khan have this, like, right... It's... it's uh, It's... Okay, this reminds me of the dump bull uh, scenario where... Because Dump and Bull never truly had a big rivalry like this, but there were moments in the Dump Bull uh, uh, connection where there they would face off, and there would be a moment of respect, 
And after the match, that's what you got here with Bull and Aja Kong, where Bull gives her her respect. She smiles. They embrace. They're like, hell yeah, we just beat the shit out of each other. Wasn't that awesome? You held your own. I can't wait for us to do it some more. But I don't know. Maybe I got a little hint of Aja Kong being, being very frustrated that she couldn't overtake her on this day rather than uh, the, the, uh, rather than reciprocating the respect. Maybe that's just me uh, looking past it because I, uh, I, I, I kind of have an idea of what happens in the future. <laughs> I, I think you're onto something a little bit there. And I think Bull Nakano came off as a baby face in this whole thing. She the did. crowd was so into her. No, it's like I can't, I can't for the life of me think of Bull Nakano as a heel at this point. The crowd's like so into her. She might as well just be the face. Yeah, yeah. They, I, if you want to do like some angle where Aja just beats on her after a match, I mean, Bull Nakano, my, I mean, she's she's such a top dog in the company right now, and she's so dominant that she's just naturally uh, turning turning babyface with the crowd, and it's it's already it's already visible at this point. She's she's a year long with the title. No, eight months with the title, technically. Yeah. Uh, hasn't had very many defenses, so... Nah, she don't... Yeah, it's not... That's not how it was back then, so... I know. It's it's, very, it's still very interesting because we're so used to being that the case now with the, the major companies, at the very least. TGPW doesn't do it as often. No, no, no. But, um... We, we, get, we, we get by with matches like this, which builds up uh, bigger stories, which... It's fine. That's fine. I mean, we, it's not like we can. Maybe if we, I don't want to say if we were fans back then that we'd complain that the title wasn't being defended enough because it was never perceived that way in the first place. Because it's all about perception at the end of the day. When you get a title match, it's it's a bo- it's a boxing title. What we always say. Right. It's it's kind of interesting too because I don't think we would have complained about it at all. But I think that's what Stardom is trying to do with their red belt now, where it's not going to be defended on every. You know, every show instead of like maybe the big ones they do every year or every couple months. Well, which I like it, that well, idea. The big, the big singles, uh, singles matches break down your body faster. Uh, that's been proven right. way more over time. And trying to get the other belts over to the extent where they can be drawing factors uh, is good for everybody. So, because then right. when you have the way, a the massive show and you have about. all those titles on the line, that makes those shows feel way more important. And then you can do the middle shows with just one of those titles being defended and it's fine. So it's all about perception. Right. Right. The white belt is a big workhorse belt. So that makes sense why that would be, I mean, it's not the case in AJW, which is funny when hindsight, that's not the, not the belt that's defended as frequent or shows up at all because it spends more time vacated nowadays. Yeah. It all depends on the situation. So, I mean, don't let's not forget the red belt was also vacated for a while. Yeah, vacated belts seem to be a thing in AJW. Well, let's move on, shall we? 